Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equip You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about something that we need to talk more about in the church today, especially in light of the fact that October is Pastor Appreciations Month. I wanted to do a whole episode talking about how we can love and care and pray for, encourage, walk alongside and do life with our pastor. I share what I'm going to share today as someone who's studied pastoral ministry and has a great deal of ministry experience, but is also a friend of pastors. Over the years, one of the topics I've committed to studying is pastors' mental health and well-being. I studied pastoral ministry at Bible college and seminary, so studying biblical counseling and other ministry-related topics, they made sense. I still have not yet, in the providence of God, become an ordained pastor, but I am a Bible teacher, and I do frequently do pulpit supply throughout Southern Oregon. Over my adult years, I've become close with a number of pastors, and I've seen up close what local church ministry and outside of it as a friend of my pastors and my friends who are pastors, the stresses and the impacts that pastoral ministry can take on a person. First, understand that your pastor is a human being. And now it's right and it's good to hold your pastor in high regard as he labors in preaching and teaching and caring for the people of God, as we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-13. And yet we cross the line in today's American evangelicalism by viewing our pastor as the be-all, end-all person regarding everything. This is where the danger of celebrity culture comes in. Most pastors will tell you if they're honest, and most of them are, they are at best generalists. Most pastors get a Master's of Divinity, an MDiv. This MDiv is a generic degree degree that gives you a good but basic understanding of the biblical languages, church history, how to interpret the Bible, preaching a sermon, and counseling, and more. I have the Master's of Divinity. I also have a Master's of Arts in Biblical Studies. Now, it's been over 10 plus years since I've graduated from seminary. I've continued studying biblical and systematic theology, uh, the doctrine of scripture, history, apologetics, and more. Every pastor and Bible teacher must rightly handle the word of God as we see in 2 Timothy 2.15. And I say the following as an encouragement that uh, I, I once heard R.C. Sproul in a Q&A. He said he was asked, how long does it take you, Dr. Sproul, to preach a sermon, to prepare a sermon? And he said, you know, it takes me about one hour, and everybody was amazed. And then he came back and said, and 30 years. And that is, a rem- when I heard that, it was immediately the reminder, again, that I need to continue to grow in my skill in handling the Word of God as a Bible teacher, as an author, as a podcaster, as a writer, as an editor, in all the many ways in which the Lord continues to use me, I need to continue to grow 
in my knowledge of biblical and systematic theology and church history and and so much more. And so do you. Now, every pastor is going to have various interests, but none of them is beyond the scope of accountability from other biblically qualified male pastors, nor are they the be-all, end-all with all knowledge. In fact, a pastor who has even a PhD is not an expert in, in the area they did not get a PhD. A pastor with a PhD in a particular biblical or theological field, they only have a slice of the pie in terms of specialization. At best, they may be one of many experts in that slice of the pie. In fact, there are so many areas in theology, it's not possible to be proficient at all of them, even if you are read as widely and well-studied about the issues, and you've studied them for years and years. It's just not possible. And so we have to view pastors in the right way as human beings made in the image of God, called by God, ordained by the church to serve the Lord and his people because they are biblically qualified male pastors. But the second point that I want to emphasize here is you need to pray for your pastor. One way to do this in my own life, I regularly ask my pastors and pastor friends how I can pray for them. They face enormous pressure. As somebody who does pulpit supply, when that week comes, I know when Sunday starts coming, that saying, Sunday is coming, is so true to me. I, I experience it. It's, it, it. it's not even a quantifiable, I think, in, from my vantage point at least. Maybe some other people can quantify it for me, but I have never been able to quantify it. But I know the difference. There's just a different feeling. You know, when Sunday is coming and you're up to preach, uh, everything seems to speed up, at least for me. Maybe maybe that's different for somebody else. But for me, when when I'm up to preach and I'm preparing that sermon, even though I'm already ready by by I've had time and and some weeks to prepare, I know that Sunday that Sunday I'm gonna preach and I need to be preparing my heart and my mind. And even though the message is itself done. The message still needs to continue to percolate in my mind and heart, and I spend a great deal of time even practicing it uh, during the week so, so that I'm ready. But for other people, that could be different. But the saying is, Sunday is coming, and it's so true. Every week, uh, your pastor, they end one sermon, they start another, and then another week after week, year after year, decade after decade. It can be exhausting, but it's truly glorious work. And you add in the many emails, the phone calls from people who are critical about your sermon, the Bible, uh, your explanation of scripture and more. And it's truly exhausting. Not to mention the phone calls to go to the hospital. Pastoral ministry will flat out wear you out. I have seen it repeatedly and the statistics on this point are shocking and they're alarming. Ask your pastor or pastors or any ministry leader for that matter. How can I pray for you? And then listen and take some notes. And they're not going to tell you everything. Uh, I make it a regular practice to ask my pastors and my pastor friends, how can I pray for them? Because A, I love them. B, I'm thankful for them. C, ministry is hard, very hard. And this brings me to my next point. Love your pastor. It may or may not be easy for you to appreciate your pastor, depending on your church experience. But you need to remember this. 
the Lord appoints and sends pastors to his people. We see this in Jeremiah 3.15, in Ephesians 4.11-16. The good shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, is a head over the church, as we see in Colossians 1.18. Your pastor is not the chief shepherd. The moment he gets that wrong is the moment that he is in mortal danger. But the better the pastor, the more they will point you to the chief shepherd. Over the many years that I've been a Christian, for three decades, I've seen many pastors try and even fail to be their people's chief shepherd, which almost always leads to burnout. But I've also seen many good and godly pastors lead people to the chief shepherd, leave them there, and they've been very, very effective in the local church. My point is, love your pastor and serve them. Not only ask how you can pray for them, but how are they doing? Encourage them by giving them time to read, a budget to take a vacation, and time away with family. Make sure you let the elders of your church know that you want to see our pastor well taken care of. We're going to talk about that uh, towards the end of the show, that they have time with family and more. Also, consider having your pastor and his family over for a meal, one at a time at your house to get to know them and engage in Christian hospitality. Dear church member, use your voice in your local church to prioritize the care and the love of your pastor. You may not think that you have much of a voice and the things, things to say and that people won't listen to you. Use your voice anyway to speak the truth and love by showing you care and love of your pastor. And one way to do this practically is after the service is over, go up to your pastor who preached and say, thank you for being an instrument of God's word. That's so encouraging. It's, it's a practice that I pra- try to practice every Sunday at, with whoever preaches the word at my local church. And even get more specific, you know, I, I appreciate it, especially your application of that particular text in that particular way. It really was encouraging. It refreshed me. It gave me something to really think about. Or I per- really appreciated your um, explana- explanation, your exposition on that particular passage because I'd, I've been reading that my whole life and I would never saw it that way. That is highly, highly encouraging. Ministry in general is, it's very lonely, but it's very rewarding. Another thing to do is to text your pastor on their cell phone or, or send an email from time to time to let them know you're praying for them. This communicates your love and your care for them. It also communicates that, uh, that and this is at the heart of what we're talking about today, Be a Christian friend to your pastor. While I'm not a pastor, I've been a Bible teacher, I'm an author, I'm a writer, I'm a podcaster, I'm an editor, and I've been doing that for over 23 years. And I can tell you just from personal experience doing this as long as I have, ministry is lonely. I, I don't say that to complain. I don't say that to get a pat on the back. But pastoral ministry is even more demanding. It requires countless hours in the Bible, in good books, and more. It's a privilege to be in God's Word, to equip uh, God's people through audio and video content, through articles and books. And even still, it is demanding. And when you add in hospital visits, funerals, unjust criticism, and the list goes on and on, it adds to the stress and the demand of ministry. So I want to encourage you here, be intentional in your love and your care of your pastor. Intentionally love and care for your pastor. Be his friend. 
Not only will you appreciate it, but you'll be an instrument to encourage your pastor and pastor friends. We all need encouragement. Pastors need it too. Intentionally love and care for your pastor who, who is aiming to serve you, you know, and, and he's serving you through caring for you, through caring for the flock, through the preaching and the teaching and the counseling of, of God's word. You know, content creation, I can say, is often lonely. Ministry to others is demanding. And yet, God is faithful. He's good. So be intentional and share the goodness of God with your pastor and others who aim to serve you and love you with the word. You know, your pastor is called to be a competent leader, administrator, counselor, all at the same time. Many of a pastor's responsibilities are full-time jobs in and of themselves, each with very unique skill set. I say that this often to, to people who I talk to about pastoral ministry, and pastoral ministry is the most demanding job in the world. It is the hardest job. It requires the highest level of skill. It requires the greatest amount of spiritual maturity, and it is the least thanked uh, job anywhere in the world. And it also requires, as we're talking about, very unique skill sets. In those responsibilities, the pastor carries a huge responsibility to preach the word faithfully and in a way that is thoughtful, beneficial, and understandable. Most importantly, he is to, to bring glory to the Lord and Savior. Charles Spurgeon says, It may be light work to you men of genius and learning, but to me it is life and death work. Often I have thought that I would rather take a whip, whipping with a cat o nine tails than to preach again. How can I answer for it at, at the last great day unless I'm faithful? Who is sufficient for these things, Spurgeon said. And when I have felt the great, the dread responsibility of souls that may be lost or saved by the word they hear, it made me wish that I had never ventured on so bold a life work. How shall I give an honorable account of my commission at last? Now, during season of reflection, I think it would do well for the church, for you and I, as even as church members, if we focus on the responsibility of the body to the pastor. This month is Pastor Appreciation Month. What a better way to show honor and care for your pastor than to do one or more of these following. First, obey the word. James 1.22 says, But prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. That is the most basic and the most wonderful thing you can do for your pastor. Have a hunger. Seek to grow, to be obedient to the word of God. There is nothing that puts more wind in pastoral sails than obedience to the word of God. 3 John 1.4 says, I have no greater joy than this to hear my children walking in the truth. There is nothing more encouraging than each of you can do for your pastor than to strive to follow God 100%. This is better than pastor appreciation. The path to pastoral support begins with an obedient heart. Second, submission to leadership. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. And it's clear that all Christians are called to obedience and submission to church leadership. But this is a, a call that demands careful definition. 
It does not mean blanket obedience, as seen in the ministry of Jim Jones and his murder of 800 followers at Jonestown by ordering them to drink poison Kool-Aid. Nor does it provide the basis for authoritarian churches, where all sorts of overbearing demands are made. Acts 5.29 says, We must obey God rather than men. Acts 17.11 says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the word daily to see whether these things were so. Notice the reason for this emphasis on obedience is that leaders are accountable to God, for they keep watch over your souls, as we see in Hebrews 13.17. It is heart-wrenching to see souls going down paths that lead to pain, to heartache, and dishonor our Lord. A true shepherd will have a concern for the body and will keep watch over their souls. And it is a type of leader that you are commanded by Scripture to obey and to submit to. Additionally, this concern is motivated in part by something very profound. Hebrews 13, 17 says, For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now, this is a very staggering statement. Every pastor is going to give an account for everyone in their flock before the Lord. Your pastor will answer for your spiritual well-being. That's a solemn thing. It is because of these very reasons that you should play follow the leader. When your pastor and leadership comes to you, having prayed, having studied, having sought God's will in a matter, and they bring a recommendation to the congregation, you have a responsibility. Examine the word. See if it's in accord with the word of God. If not, stand against it humbly in love and interact from the word of God to help your leaders see the error. But if it either matches up to scripture or doesn't contradiction contradict it, then follow the leader or leaders. They have been placed there in your church for your benefit, and they will give an account someday for these very things, just as you will for the disobedience to God's word you could you could exhibit when you fight this precept. Now, if, if the verse so far is not sufficient for obeying and submitting to godly leadership, then the author of Hebrews continues and gives another reason in Hebrews 13, 17. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. This is a very stark and true fact. Leadership is agonizing. Now, you need to remember, right? Moses and the grumbling children of Israel did after they came out of Egypt. How hard and bold it must have been to see and experience such rebellion. I wonder if it was all the much harder when 40 years later they were getting ready to enter the land. They did the same thing again. I bet Moses' 80-year-old bones must have groaned within. All leaders know this pain. Philip Brooks says to be a true minister to men is always to accept new happiness and new distress. The man who gives himself to other men can never be a holy sad man, but no more can he be a man of unclouded gladness. To him shall come with every deeper consecration a before untasted joy, but in the same cup shall be mixed a sorrow that it was beyond his power to feel before. Your response can and will have a direct effect on the grief or joy of your pastor's ministry. But as the author of Hebrews makes an even greater, very clear point that that appeals at a personal level to every member of the congregation. If you cause grief to leadership, this will be unprofitable for you. Because it impedes the pastor, it impedes your relation with Christ, it impedes the entire body's spiritual growth, and you will stand before God someday and answer for that. Third, 
Minister to the body. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Both the pastor and the congregation are called to serve. An exceedingly sad and counterproductive thing has happened when churches look at the pastor as a hired hands. We can pay him uh, to visit us, do the ministry so it goes, and reach the community while we sit back and watch or even heckle him. Catch this truth and you're going to see the ministry of your church blossom. You as a church must commit yourselves to creating an environment in which your pastor is encouraged to be a man of God and to pursue the work of ministry unencumbered. What does that mean? It means you minister and don't expect him to be the only one ministered. You visit those in the hospital. You unlock the building. You teach a Sunday school class. You write notes of encouragement to others. You don't keep a scorecard of how much he visits you or or rubs your bunions or, or does whatever he does to care for you. He is called to serve like everybody else. But his primary calling, the pastor's is, is to preach the word. And it takes a great deal of time to prepare and digest and put together something that is accurate and applicable. Acts 6.4 says, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Fourth, provide for him adequately. 1 Timothy 5.18 says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So let's talk about salary. An excellent rule is the pastor's salary should be near the medium income of the congregation, thus enabling him to live on the level of those he ministers to. The salary should be at a level where his, his wife is not forced to work unless, of course, she wants to. Vacation. Because ministry is so absorbing, you should consider increasing the vacation time from a traditional two weeks to at least three or four. Ministry is impossible to get away from totally. A day off is often not a day off, and the phone rings and meetings are typically called regardless, and so a little more time away is usually good. Additionally, the pastor often lives far from family, and so this helps him to spend time with their loved ones. Study time. Consider how you can give him time for professional development and growth and time to consider and pray about the church's direction and goals. This is not for vacations or for extending vacation time. They are for spiritual and intellectual renewal. Days off. Encourage him to take his day off and strive to protect your pastor's day off. It is very common because of emergencies and even special meetings for a pastor to go several weeks without a day off. Help him get it. Encourage him to take it. Fit. Treat him with respect. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. A pastor should be treated with respect because of his divinely given position. This, of course, does not suggest that he is treated with an, uh, 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 as some 19th century ministers were. His worshipful lordship, the most high reverend Dr. Smith, it also doesn't suggest whatever you say, pastor attitude. What I'm saying here is simply because the pastor is a divine office, a minister should never have to earn his congregation's respect. He should be respected, no matter how grand or how humble his ministry is. Six, love is family. Ministry is a fishbowl, and that fishbowl can take a toll, especially on a pastor's family. Many have walked away from the church because of critical, overbearing, and irrational church members who felt that they ought bought the rights to criticize the pastor. 
Well, how can you deal with this? Love them. It is simply living out the golden rule with this uniquely called church family. Matthew 7:12 says, Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. This type of love does not demand any more from the pastor's family than it does from his own family. This love appreciates and even gives them room to grow. It refuses to gossip. It believes the best. It has a kind word. It's gentle. It's loving. It deals face-to-face rather than anonymously. This type of love is to be shown as a characteristic of all Christians towards all. 1 John 4, 7-8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Seventh, pray for your pastor and pray for his family. This is so important and so neglected. We have a responsibility to pray for all of our leaders and those in authority over us, and this includes your pastor and church leadership. It is essential. It is an essential defense in the spiritual battle that rages against the ministry. Paul, right after talking about spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, says this in Ephesians 6, 19, And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. J.C. Ryle said, Converted ministers are God's special gift. Man cannot create them. If we would have good ministers, we must remember our Lord's example and pray for them. Their work is heavy. Their responsibility is enormous. Their strength is small. Let us see that we support them and hold up their hands by our prayers. Well, this month, I want to encourage you to intentionally love, to intentionally care for your pastor. Whether you get them a gift or whether you write them a handwritten note or a letter or send them an email or a text, send a note and thank your pastor specifically. Maybe maybe he's helped you in some way in your own life. Thank him for that. Encourage him. Uh, share. You know what? I wanted to share with you. This is how the Lord has used you in my life. And then just watch the smile on their face uh, and their day brighten up. You know, that's that's what we're talking about here today. Be intentional, be prayerful, encourage your pastor, and don't only do it on uh, this month, but try to do it every month. Try to do it consistently and, and show appreciation and show care and show that you're there and you support your pastor or pastor's ministry. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equip You and Grace podcast. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.